We, we are in the, the last week of the celebration of, of Advent. We've been going through a series entitled Being the Gift That You Were Created to Be, looking at those four gifts that um, the candles represent and that Kathy spoke about, gift of hope, peace, and joy. And I wondered, um, as we've done this, and maybe as you've, you've uh, even now are looking at these, these candles in terms of what they represent and those gifts, um, have you wondered at all, um, and, and I, I hope, but um, how it is that those then can be given and displayed in your life? It's really what the series in, in our worship has been about in terms of figuring out how it is that we can be a gift of hope, how it is that we can be a gift of peace, and how it is that we can be a gift of joy. And, and really, um, it doesn't take too much thought, does it? I mean, we stop and we think about it because the opportunities to, to give those gifts away are all around us all of the time. Maybe it's as a simple when we think about joy, uh, being somebody who, who comes alongside of someone who's going through a hard time and, and just letting that joy of Jesus just, just exude out of us. To spill from our heart to theirs. To, to have that joy of Jesus and let it be seen and, and, and sharing what that means then. Just having that attitude consistently as we go from day to day. And we deal with tough things because this is a tough time. Uh, hope. Maybe giving hope is as simple as a bag of groceries at just the right time. Maybe giving hope is just as as simple as coming alongside of somebody and and helping pay or, or get their heat turned back on a utility bill. It can be pretty hopeless when you're there and you don't know quite how to make that happen. And you're thinking about your children in cold nights. A gift of hope. Peace. coming alongside of somebody who's fraught with fear and just bringing comfort. Helping somebody who's just trying to figure things out and is frenetic just in a peaceful way. Um, talk about solutions and how it is that God indeed can help. And, and maybe all of those gifts, of course, sharing what that means in the gift of a Savior. See, there's all kinds of opportunities. There's a million things that we can do to see those gifts come to life in us just simply because of who we are and who it is that we choose to be. And they're desperately needed at this time in in a lost and hurting world. The opportunity to be salt and to be light, to give these gifts away, and perhaps none far greater than the gift that we celebrate today, the gift of love. I think a lot about the love of God. And isn't it true when you think about love that there's nothing more powerful or transformational on the face of the earth? And when you think about the love of God, you realize that it's blown up a million times over then, this power and this capability to transform. 
I want to share with you this morning as we look at that um, about being a, a gift of, of love. Two, two stories about Peter and Jesus. Two encounters, and one of them was good and one of them wasn't. It's kind of like the bad news, good news scenario. So which one do you want to hear first, the bad news or the good news? Well, if you said good, too bad. <laughs> um, I, think the, I think the bad news won anyways, but that's, that's how I have it mapped out in my sermon. So we're going with bad news first. So, Well, there's um, a story of, of where things didn't go quite so well between Peter and Jesus, and maybe you're familiar with it. I want to read the words of Luke 22, verses 54 to 62 with you. And this is a story of Peter's denial. A very, very tough moment. A very, very painful encounter between Jesus and Peter takes place. One where love is not so freely given. Listen to these words. Luke 22, verses 54 to 62. Then seizing him, that would be Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is a word of God might be written in our hearts. Hmm. So, so here's an, an opportunity for Peter to give away the gift of love to the one that had loved him the most, even Jesus. And it's a tough story, especially when we personalize it, when we think about it. And I hope every time you read Scripture, of course, and you maybe read about these encounters, you put yourself there. And I encourage you to do that even now. Think about how it is that Peter felt and what it is that he had in his heart as this story unfolds. Not so good. And I just want to look at a couple of different things that, that demonstrate how difficult it was and the opportunities that were wasted and how that made Peter feel. So just hours before this story takes place, Peter and Jesus are eating together. And after they're done, Jesus says to all of the disciples, maybe you remember this, he, he tells them, lets them know 
that he's going to die, that he's going to be killed. And you remember what Peter says. You can read about it in John 13, verse 37 to 38. He says, never, I will, I will do anything to make sure that you don't die, that you, that you don't get killed. I will, he says, lay my life down for you. He said, they're not going to be able to do it. I will stand up there and I'll do everything that I can. And then Peter's um, disbelief, maybe, when Jesus responds to that. That's when he tells him, really? <laughs> Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Now, I, I think that, that Peter really was genuine when he said that. He meant it. You see, in all kinds of different places, how Peter responded to Jesus and the great love that he had for him. I don't think he was kidding when he said, I'm going to be willing to give my life for you. And so that's one of the things when, when, you, when you understand what he had in his heart. That when he then denies him, how, how hard that was. Isn't that true? I mean, have you ever had that happen? I know that you have genuine love in your heart for people, right? For people sitting next to you, for other people, people that you have relationships with. You love them deeply. You really do. And then there's that moment that comes along. Isn't this true? When you fail. When you choose not to love. And if it is real, if the love is genuine that you have there, it hurts. You don't like it when that happens. Why? Because you love that person. You want to do what's right. You want to let them know that you love them, but it doesn't always work that way. And it didn't work that way for Peter. And I'm sure when that rooster crows, that's one of the things that's happening. As soon as he hears it, those words are ringing in his head. I'll lay down my life for you. And then he realizes just that I didn't do it. Not only that, I didn't even admit that I knew him. You think that hurt? It did. It was incredibly painful for Peter. And then realize this. What does the story say? How many times had he had the opportunity to display a love for Jesus in that moment? Very directly and and in a very real way. Not once. The servant girl comes to him. He denies him once. Not twice. Another person comes to him. I I know that you're one of them. (laughs) Nope, don't even know him. But three times. Somebody else comes, he denies them again. Now think about that for a minute in terms of giving the gift of love and having that opportunity and what that means in a relationship and how much that must have hurt. See, three different times. Well, we're not just talking about once that he had an opportunity to give love to Jesus in that moment, but three times. And each time he fails them. Doesn't that make it worse? Isn't that true? 
If you have an opportunity to love somebody and, and you fail and, and then you do it again and then you do it again and then maybe you do it again and you do it. And when it finally comes to light, when it's there, it, it hurts all the more. Maybe not. I, I think so. It does for me. That when I've been an idiot once, that's bad enough. But then if I do it three or four or five times, holy cow. It's hard, and that's also something that's going through his mind when the rooster crows. He realizes, I had opportunities to love Jesus and display that love, and I don't do it. And then the last thing that was kind of like, if there's not a knife already in Peter's heart, it really happens in this moment. That's why I chose um, the Luke 22 text. It says this, verse 61, right after the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I, I, I think the look, the look is what really hurt. See, it's one thing, isn't it, if we're, if we're not loving somebody and they don't know about it? You know, we think that we can get away with it or we can do something that they're not aware of and we can kind of like not love them in that moment. You know, that brings a level of pain and hurt if we genuinely love somebody, but when they do know it, that's a whole other story. And so Peter's probably out of speaking distance when he's saying this. Jesus maybe can't hear him, but they they can make eye contact. They're close enough. So just think about it now. If you're having a personal conversation, I'm not going to be able to hear you, but I can see you. And I'm watching you. I'm just kidding. But that's what's going on. And so the third time that he denies Jesus, the rooster crows, the Peter gets it. He's like, oh my goodness, I did it. I did exactly what Jesus said. I denied him. And then he looks at Jesus and Jesus is looking right at him. Have you ever had that happen? Where you did something that was incredibly unloving and the person is right there and they look at you? You know, the the look they give you. Hurt. Disappointment. It's not an easy look to see and it really hurt the heart of peter so much so what does he do we read it he leaves it breaks him down why because he loved jesus and he leaves and he weeps bitterly that's what happens when we choose not to give the gift of love. When we choose to be something other than what we were created to be. And whether it's denying Jesus or the love that he says we need to have for other people, doesn't usually work out well and creates tough and difficult situations. Situations that are painful and hurtful for everybody involved. We know we've lived it. We've been on both sides And I share that 
to, to, to kind of set up or, or to have you realize how awesome it is then when the love of God is given and when it's received. See, that's the good news. Peter had the denial. He did things that were hurtful. But then he gets an opportunity simply because of the great love that Jesus had for him to have things become right. And it happens just a few days later. Jesus had had appeared to him a a couple of times, but but never in a way that was intimate and personal. And and it happens. Maybe you remember this encounter. It's, it's, It's shared for us in John 21. Jesus goes and he appears. They're out fishing in the boat. Jesus appears to them on the shore. He asked them again, is this another deja vu moment, just as it happened when he first met them. He asked them, are you catching anything? They say, no. He says, throw your net on the other side. And their nets all of a sudden are full, full to the point of breaking. And in that instant, they know who's on shore, who's talking to them. It's Jesus. And here's a cool part of this story, too, and one I wasn't going to read, but... But who's the one who jumps out of the boat when he realizes it's Jesus? Peter. And they come to shore. And not only were things not necessarily hunky-dory with Jesus and Peter, but all of the disciples as well, because remember what he told them. The thing, the thing that he told them the very first time that, that he met them and called them to be his followers. It, it's a children's song. Remember it? Fishers of men. So he told them, hey, I, 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 I can't sing it, so I won't bore you with it. But he told them, I want you to be fishers of men. What are they doing? They're fishing for fish. And so when Jesus comes and he speaks to them and they come to shore and they know it's Jesus, there's a, there's a, there's a, a line in here in, in, in verse um, a, a 12 of John 21. We're going to read 15 to 19 in just a second. There's a line where it says, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They didn't even want to speak to him. And I would submit to you it's because they were ridden with guilt. Jesus had given them a mandate. He had poured his life into them, told them to go be fishers of men, and they're back to business as usual. It didn't change for them, or at least they decided to go back to the way things were. And they realized that, and so it's a hard moment. It's one of those awkward moments, but it's really hard for Peter. Why? Because he has that stain and that guilt of the denial in his head. You know, when he had that look, think about this. Have you ever had that? I, I, I'm sure you yeah. When you've hurt somebody really bad and they, you see that look, you see their face, doesn't that just sear into your mind and on your heart? Peter had it haunting him for, for however many days in between when he had that look until he meets Jesus again. It, it couldn't go away. The thing that he had did, how he had so been so unloving, just consumed him. 
And it's there while they're eating fish, it's eating him alive. We know that feeling. But then a great story of redemption, of restoration, and the giving of love. I want to read it for you. John 21, verses 15 to 19. Listen to these words. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I love, uh, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Hmm. So a tense moment for Peter, Jesus having a conversation with him. But there's a couple of things that happen that that really um, change things for Peter. All done, why? Simply because Jesus chooses to let him know, I love you. When when it's just him and and Jesus, it, it just is a hard moment for him. And, and I picture in this story, they're they're there and they're they're eating, and and when they're done, and it says when they finish eating, that's when Jesus approaches Simon Peter. That Simon Peter really isn't too terribly close. I mean, isn't that true? And that's something that happens. When you have um, a, a, a problem with someone, when you're at odds and there's not a whole lot of love going on, you don't really want to be close to each other, right? And especially if you've hurt somebody very badly and they're there and it's that big elephant in the room and you know you're the one who messed up, you're the one who was hurtful and mean and nasty, whatever that might mean, you're the one who chose not to give love. Isn't it hard to, to face somebody or to... It was for Peter, and so he, he's kind of off a little bit, maybe even starts walking away, and I, I kind of believe that that's true because you, you go down into verse 20. We stopped at 19, when it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. So they were walking away. And so I just get this picture that Peter's there, and he's just getting consumed. He's getting eaten up by all of this, thinking about all of the, the way he didn't choose to love Jesus in the time when Jesus needed him the most, and he just starts to walk away. And then an incredible loving thing, Jesus literally chases him down, goes up to him, and speaks to him. And he doesn't come up, and, and the first words that aren't 
out of his mouth are, how could you have done that? He doesn't blast them. He doesn't tell them, you know, I can't believe you did that. And the tone of his voice, I just pictured as being incredibly loving and soothing. Because that's what he wants to communicate to Peter. And he asks him a question. And the questions that he asks and the things that he does really demonstrate what's happening. That Jesus is loving him in this moment. First, it's just that he he took the time and the initiative to go after him. See, that was what was in Jesus' heart. To bring reconciliation. To have them be right again. Why? Because his love compelled them. And that's something that I hope isn't lost on us. It's because a lot of times when somebody hurts us and when they do something that's not nice, when they're unloving to us, what is it? And this is a cultural worldview. I don't have to love them. In fact, I'm not going to love them until they demonstrate love to me or they apologize or they make things right. It's on them. That's not what Scripture says. And you you can read Matthew um, 18. And Jesus just demonstrates it. See, his love compelled him to go after Peter. Jesus loved him so much he couldn't help himself. He he knew what was going on in Peter's heart. And he said, I'm going to go and come alongside. I'm going to love on him. And so he does. That's not how we function sometimes. But that's how God calls us to. That when things aren't right. And somebody has been the one and, and the burden, as the world would say, is on them to make it right. No, God says, out of your love, be that gift of love. Go and approach them. Have a conversation. Talk to them. Let them know that it's okay that you still love them. And that's exactly what Jesus does. And then he asks them the question, do you love me more than these? First, speaking of the fish, of course. You know, I, I, I thought that was real and true, Peter. Is it not? Don't you really love me more than these fish? Because that's what you're doing. You're fishing. And, and Peter says, yes. Yes, I love you. And how many times does Jesus do that? Three. Do you think that Jesus just wanted to, he didn't trust Peter, so he had to hear it three times? No. Do you think that Jesus was doing it just to be mean and to rub it in a little bit? No. Three denials, three failures, three times to make it right. And to say, yes, yes, Lord, I love you. Complete, full restoration. Very intentional. Just as he denied Jesus three times, Jesus gave him the opportunity to say, I love you, three times back. And then he says something each time after that. He says it a little bit of a different way, but he's saying the same thing. 
First time he says, feed my lambs. Second time he says, take care of my sheep. And then the last time he says, feed my sheep. All parts of loving. And why would that be a loving thing to say to Peter? Well, think about it for a moment. Jesus was telling him when he says that, not only is it okay, not only do I love you, but I love you so much, I still want you to be who I called you to be. See, I I called you and, and said, come follow me, be fishers of men. And your denial doesn't change that. The way that you, you deny me when I needed you the most doesn't change that, that I love you that much and I still count you worthy to be used by me. I forgive you fully and completely. I love you so much. It's not that I don't want, don't want to have anything to do with you. I say, okay, you blew it. You lost your chance. You lost your opportunity. No, I I love you enough to say, come in fullness. Nothing's changed. That's how much I love you. You're worthy, Peter. Is it not true that when we've been given grace and forgiveness and somebody opens up their arms and welcomes us back in fullness, that it just affirms their love for us. See, a lot of times people can say the words and we can say the words to somebody else, but we still want to keep them at arm's length. So you have to wonder about the giving of love. What does it mean? What does it really look like? Jesus removes all doubts. And he says, I love you. I'm going to prove it to you. Come on, let's go. Let's roll. You're worthy. You're still my chosen one. Come follow me. And I don't know if Peter got it in the moment, but he surely did. We, we see that in the living of his life after that. He took that love, of, uh, that gift of love that God gave to him, that Jesus gave to him in that moment. He seized it. He embraced it. And then he lived it. It's an incredible story. See, because Jesus was giving love to him when he didn't deserve it. That's familiar, isn't it? See, that's true for all of us. Romans 5, 8, for God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3.23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. See, nobody here, nobody listening deserves the love of God, but he gives it freely. And so that, that really speaks to what it is that God gives to us in the gift of Jesus and the gift of his love, but also what he says we should do with it, give it away. That's the call. That's the challenge to give the gift of his love. And it's not easy sometimes, isn't it? Because all of the time we're thinking about and we're thinking about loving somebody or somebody that we love and we think about strained and hurt relationships, you probably got something going through your mind right now. 
faces, names, people that things aren't right with, somebody who did something that you didn't like, so you're not too loving towards them right now. But, but God speaks. Hey, this is who I want you to be. This is what I want you to do. Come follow me. Be. I gave you the gift of love. You didn't deserve it. I want you, and look look at it, think about it. I hope that it's true. And if indeed the love of God is genuinely in your heart, it is. You've been transformed by that love, by that gift of grace. Things will never be the same for you. And I hope you've experienced it from day to day. All of these things woven together, you've experienced the hope of God. Why? Because he loves you. You know that. You have that in your heart. You've received the gift of Jesus Christ. You have peace. Why? Because you know he loves you. All of your days are secure. Tomorrow, anything that you go through and encounter, not always easy. And joy, same reason. Why? Because he loves you. Doesn't that bring you joy to know that that God died? He sent his son here. We're celebrating at Christmas. Savior of the world arrived for you Man, how incredible is that? And then the love, the love, it blows me away. See, and we only get part of it. I I hope that we understand enough what, what being given the love of God means. As we walk on the face of this earth as flesh and blood, someday we'll know in fullness And we'll we'll be even more amazed at grace. It's so profound. It's so incredible. And maybe we can get a glimmer of it when we realize that we're loved by human beings that we don't deserve to be loved by at certain times. I know you are all incredible, great people. But I think about that relationship with, with my wife. There's times when I... Probably don't be uh, uh, times when I don't I don't deserve to be as loved by her as she gives to me, and it's awesome. I celebrate it. I, I, I sometimes shake my head at it. And then there's the love of Jesus. It's, it's amazing, amazing. And there's nothing more powerful on the face of the earth or in all of creation than the love of God. I hope and trust has changed your life. That you open up your heart and you've received it, this gift of love. And if you haven't, I'd ask you, what's stopping you? Let's talk. To know that your sins are forgiven. And that you're right with God. And you always will be. See, it's life changing. And so that's why he says, give it away. How can you do that? I think you know the answer. There's all kinds of opportunities to give the love of God away. We have them every single day whether it's to a spouse, a child, a parent, a brother, a sister, a friend, or a stranger. And nothing, again, is more 
transformational. If you want to see things change in your heart and in your life, give the gift of God's love. If you want to see somebody else's life changed, maybe somebody that you know and you care about, that you've been praying for, give the gift of God's love. Far better than anything that's under your tree or will be. Because nothing changes hearts and changes life like the love of God. So rise up, meet the challenge, and be the gift. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your truth. Lord, even though um, the truth that we read this morning didn't come out of, out of the Christmas story, it's all about Christmas. I can't imagine what Peter felt like when he realized what Jesus was saying to him and that things were okay, that he still loved them. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for your love. We thank you for the grace given in Jesus Christ and that you sent your Son to be born as the Savior of the world. That means our Savior. And God, I pray that as we continue through this Christmas season, that we celebrate it with all that we can, with all that we're worth that we'd celebrate the hope that is ours in Jesus, the peace that is ours in Jesus, the joy that is ours in Jesus, and yes, the love that is ours in Jesus. And we celebrate it in the best way possible by giving it away. Might it be. Humbly and gratefully, we pray these things in your name. Amen.